Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are the two Chrises. We are very excited to be talking to you about the Swedish. This is, I don't know what that accent Swedish. is. Swedish. It's German. It's okay. It sounded kind of Germanish to me. We are excited to be talking to you about the Swedish horror film. Let the right one in. Chris, do you have a synopsis for us? I do. Uh, and I'm not going to try to pronounce any of the names in this. Fair. Because uh, I would just bully, or I would just butcher them. Bully them. Uh, I've got bully on the mind because of the, this movie. The film. So it's a 2008 film. It's Swedish. And the synopsis is Oscar, an overlooked and bullied boy, finds love and revenge through Ellie, a beautiful but peculiar girl. So this peculiar was the first she is. Yeah. She's peculiar. So this was the first time for you. You were aware of this film, though. I was aware of it, and I was uh, aware that people liked it and that it had gotten good uh, reviews and good buzz, but I had not seen it. Okay. What did you think? So um, I really liked it. Um, you know, I think it's set in the 80s in yes. Sweden. Um uh, what I know about Sweden is almost zero. Uh, so it was really interesting to be sort of transported into this world that felt so lived in by the characters, um, but so comparatively unfamiliar to me. And it, this is a vampire movie. But it's very different than what I would think of as sort of a quote unquote conventional vampire movie. Um, it, it's mostly kind of a love story, a kind of a coming of age love story between this kind of um, shy, kind of introverted 12 year old, almost 13 year old boy, skinny little kid, and what we 
understand as a 12 year old girl, she's a vampire. And the closest we get to it is he says, how old are you? When he finds out and she says, I'm 12. I've just been 12 for a long time, but we Mm -hmm. don't, we don't discover how long she is living with the man who is her father. And there's uh, one of the things I love the most about this is there's like a lot of rich backstory that this film kind of just scratches the surface of and insinuates such deeper, so much, you know, so so many deeper waters. I don't know how to so many deeper waters, so much deeper water Um, that we don't, that we we are left to imagine the answers to it. All it gives us is what we need emotionally to satisfy the moment of the scene. And I had the thought while I was watching is like that, that's uh, in a vampire movie that, that it seems like a temptation that it must've been difficult to resist because a lot of vampire movies love to get into the soliloquy where they talk about, how things used to be or the world they came from or what it's like to be a vampire. We don't get any of that. We don't get mm-hmm. anything about the rules of, of vampirism in this universe, other than what we see firsthand, which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really less about her being a vampire than it is about the relationship of these two you know, unusual kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, yeah. That being said, that being said, though, there, I think that there were a handful of moments in it where it was undeniably a vampire movie. There's some vampire stuff. Yeah, and that stuff is great. Mm-hmm. You know, in a low budget look, it looks great. But in a in a low budget, not a big, big blockbustery way, that stuff is absolutely burned in my mind i'm like uh, i went back a number of times i was like i gotta see that again that is great oh or, you know horrifying or totally fresh like whoa i love how they did that um there's this there's one shot i won't go through them all but there's one shot where there's a sort of um an overpass like you might see in central park or something where you know it's a t-junction but there's a the the path, the jogging path or the walking path or the road or whatever goes on top. And there's a walking path from the, from the residential block sort of underneath it. And there's a tunnel, a low short tunnel, but it would be the kind of thing that at night when you were walking underneath it, you would, there'd be a hundred paces where you were just in the dark. There's not a light in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So the shot is framed from facing the housing blocks are behind this tunnel and a guy who's been out drinking with his friends who live in the residential block older guy uh is kind of walking down i think he's coming down to take a piss actually near the mouth of the tunnel and we hear this little girl's voice say help me from inside the tunnel and you know we can sort of see the light is spilling we can see there's nobody lying there's nothing in the middle of the tunnel, but the, the edges all along the edges are dark. And he hears the voice and he sort of, we see him, you know, we know, we know she's lowering him in, right? But we don't know a lot about her yet. And, and it's just clearly a little, it's not threatening. It's like, help me, please. 
you know, and he goes, obviously he goes right over to her and just, when he bends down to sort of pick her up, that's when she bites him in the throat. And I just thought, Oh, that was so well done. It's such yeah. a great, like we know exactly what's going to happen and just waiting for that trap to spring. And then when it does, you know, he's like, ah, ah, <laughs> wait, he's not, it's not this big Gothic. There's no big music sting. Right. And there's no jump scares in this. It's right. not a jump scare kind of movie. No, you know? no. It's it's winter and there's snow everywhere. And if anything, it's quiet. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're out in the snowfall and everything is eerily quiet, like the snow has this sound dampening effect. Perfect. It's like cold. Yeah. She's always walking around in the snow and she's barefoot. And he's like, aren't you cold? And she's like, I don't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, you mentioned that this takes place in the eighties, but it's not the eighties. Like everybody's wearing Ray-Bans and they have, you know, neon shirts and all that. It's everything's very bleak in this. It's beautiful. It's, it's shot beautifully, but it's in the snow and it's just bleak everything. You know, there's not much color in anything. And, um, and I thought, you know, why really did they, why, it. why set it in the eighties? Why make it a period piece? And I think that the, the uh, my hunch, as I consider that question, is maybe just, you know, there's no cell phones, there's no DVDs, they're listening to boom boxes. It's just, it was a time before there was this sort of modern technology, digital explosion that, you know, so, so we're, it's a basically analog landscape, you know? It's not like a cabin in the woods where, well, why wouldn't you just whip out your cell phone and you have to have a scene where somebody's like, oh, I don't get a reception, right? It's not that. It doesn't feel like it did it because of that. I think it it just feels like sort of like Stranger Things. It was a time when imagination was in some ways a lot more active because you didn't have all of this digital content served up in front of you 24-7. Mm-hmm. in getting in the way of it you know so you had long quiet stretches where you're like walking home alone you don't have your buds you're not you know i mean suppose people it, had walkman and stuff but you get what i'm saying oh yeah absolutely this was an adaptation of a novel of a swedish novel and i just looked at the because i've not read it i wasn't sure about the date and i thought well maybe it was written in the 80s it wasn't it was written in 2004 but the but the novel takes place in the 80s i think definitely especially with horror movies and again this isn't exactly that kind of horror movie but i think you are seeing filmmakers um part of its nostalgia and you know we're getting a crop of of filmmakers now who grew up in the 80s you know and have nostalgia for it um, but I think it's also they, you know, there are some new films where they use cell phones within the context of the story and it works really well. But you, you think about, uh, you know, a lot of conventional horror movies, there would be in real life, somebody could call somebody on a cell phone, you know what I mean? Right. And, or they'd call the police and the police would come. You know, right. Or, or there'd be a closed circuit camera. I mean, it's like everything's right. online now. Somebody would catch it on a cell phone video. So I think, I think, you know, filmmakers are, I think in a, in a lot of ways, especially with horror are placing their stories in the 80s or the 90s or whatever because they don't want to have to deal with cell phones and whatever you know any of that Uh, even if you know wi-fi any of that 
Yeah, because that can be boring in a film, you know, somebody, how do you handle somebody texting or whatever, you know, so um, the, uh, so you said one thing about the, so the, she lives with this man um, and you said uh, her father, I never took him as her father. I took him as he is like a Renfield, um, you know, oh. he, he is a, he's probably been with her since he was younger. I don't know if they say like how long they've been together, but he's probably not the first one. I think uh, she calls I'm, him father though. Oh, does she? she? Okay. I don't, I, so I don't to know. me, it was like, I imagined he might've been 30 when she was 12 and turned yeah. and he's like 60 now. But yeah, that could be. That but the other be. thing that was really interesting is that it, it becomes so clear how challenging it is because he can see he's going out and killing people and like hanging them up and draining their blood like he cuts mm -hmm. their throat. So their blood drains down into a, a container that he then takes home to feed his, I guess, his daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't have to go out and kill. And you at first you think, well, it's some sort of a moral thing is like, no, no, because then he's got to dispose a of a body. Thing, yeah. Right. I mean, when she does it, somebody's going to see her like, like she's like a little animal. There's no. Mm -hmm. She doesn't turn into smoke or a bat or anything like that. She's very she's this little girl and, and somebody does see her. So he fails one night and almost gets caught. And she's we hear her stomach growling and it's this really. Mm -hmm great piece of sound design because it's sort of like a stomach growl and it's also sort of like a wild animal's growl it's very inhuman sounding yeah and we get the sense that you know she's hungry a lot of the time and so she goes out and kills somebody and there's a witness Mm -hmm. And there's no Facebook or social media, and he's a kind of a recluse guy, but he does come and tell the other people, and they all think he's sort of nuts. But then the guy's missing, right? And then they mm -hmm. go kind of looking, and they don't find the body because the father's dragged it away, and it turns up later. He drops it in the pond, right? There's a hole in the ice that he kind of buries it in, but it gets found. Mm -hmm. And you realize, oh, you know, you can't, you can't just they kind of gloss over that in a lot of vampire movies. It's like, you're just leaving this pile of bodies. Like, are people not <laughs> on to you? Like you're, mm -hmm. most vampire movies, you're not worried about the cops. And the thing is, they're not, uh, you know, I don't know where, exactly where they are in Sweden, but it seems to be a pretty small place. You know, there's, there's forest around them. And it, so it doesn't seem like they're in a big city or anything. So, you know. Oh my God, I just had a realization. When you said the Renfield thing, it's okay, so we're jumping way out of sequence. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is literally a light bulb that just went off. What if her father, she met him when he was 12, right? Because at the end yeah. of the movie, you're sort of happy. Like she's he's gone off with his new friend, right? And she's got her in a cardboard box on the train. He's run away from home. And they're striking out together to make a go of it. You know, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, she could yeah. be like, yeah, what if what if this guy was just this guy who loved her? Because I'm like, but he loves her, clearly. Mm -hmm. 
what if she's known him since he was 12 and she makes a new friend realizing that this kind of other friend, I mean, she does seem to genuinely like him. I, 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 I don't like yeah. the interpretation of this is just a mercenary thing, but she finds a new human companion with whom she's simpatico. And basically they grow and the up older man her. has maybe gotten too old, you know, maybe. Well, he literally does. Right. I mean, yeah. it's a certain point he does get caught. Yeah, he maybe he's a step too slow now, you know. And, and she, she comes needs to somebody the younger. Yeah, hospital. That's bed. all. That's how I've always taken it oh, as. That's yeah, that she, crazy. Yeah, that she cares for him, probably, and maybe she cared for the other guy at some point too. But she did. Um, she did. But it kind of yeah. ran its course. Right. And he knew and now, it, and he bared his neck to her, and she fed, and then that was it for him. And she and now she needs a new and he has been doing it long enough that he could see where it was headed. Right. Yeah. I mean, he'd known her since he was 12 or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. there's only at a certain point you get old enough and wise enough. You're like, there's only one way this ends. Either mm-hmm. they catch her and like stake her or, you know, she's destroyed or I die first in service of keeping her alive because I love yeah. her. Yeah, man, how's this just hitting me now? Oh <laughs> my god, it's so crazy. Well, that's cool to have that, res- uh, you know, revelation while we're while we're recording. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always kind of wondered maybe if you know maybe that guy was the first and now Oscar is the second. But I always kind of wondered if it's just like you know maybe she's been alive for three hundred years or something, and she's had there's been a few of these guys. The only reason I call that into question a little bit is I would think that even though she has a 12-year-old body, she'd be better at it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's there's limits to her little 12-year-old female body, but there is something childish about the way that she kills. Like, you, you'd lure him and you'd take a victim within sight line of the bit like that's just that feels reckless that feels sloppy mm-hmm. you know like yeah lure him a little further away like there aren't people there are people walking in the woods like go a little f- help yourself get away with it you know even if yeah. you can leave the body don't do it where there might be a witness to see like oh i saw who did it it was a girl right so maybe she's been 12 years old for 50 or 60 years or something. And you yeah. know, the guy's been with her, like you said, you know, since he was 12. So yeah. Another thing that we need to talk about is her gender. Yeah. So what did you think about that? Well, there is a shot where he peeks through the door and, you know, he sort of sees her putting a shirt on. She's not wearing anything under it. And, you know, she doesn't have a penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I took that I took that as this sort of coming of age moment where the 12 year old boy sort of peeking through the door spies the 12 year old girl's genitalia briefly. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of seminal human moment of shock mm-hmm. of like, you know, Adam and Eve and I don't know whatever I'm talking about, but you get it. Yeah. Um, but you are you talking about the scene where she says, I'm not a girl? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, I, um, I mean, there's this whole sort of here I am blithely calling her, she, her, her calling this character, she, but 
she presents as female and and i interpreted the scene i'm not a girl it gave me pause for a moment to think about it but then i was like well i think she's just sort of saying i'm not human right mm -hmm. i'm not what you expect like we're not gonna be first loves and grow up to be 18 and lose our virginity to each other and get married and have kids and like i'm not mm -hmm. a girl like you i'm not what you think i am yeah but I loved that there was that resonance. I loved that that had a modern resonance. That's like, you know, I don't fit into a box that way. Mm -hmm. Biologically, Ellie is, you know, female. What, mm -hmm. what was your, what, what was your takeaway? Well, there's some, um, there's some thought that, um, she was a boy at, at one time and had um, essentially changed to a girl. I don't know if some way it was somehow more protection that way. Um, I don't know. What, you talk for so, a minute. But, well, what, 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 is that an article you read or what, what, what in the film led you to that interpretation? Cause I, that didn't occur to me. So don't you see when you see, um, I was thinking when you see her genitals, that there's like a scar there that maybe, you know, there was a penis there at one time and it was removed. Oh, uh, I, you know, I confess I did not like go back and pause that. It's very quick. I, I just looked to me like, you know, the beginnings of pubic hair. Okay. Like not, you know, not, uh, not uh, an adult estrogen body amount mm -hmm. of pubic hair, but like 12 year olds. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I guess I could go back and screen grab that moment. <laughs> so it says, um, as long as nobody's watching, what are you doing? Still more, Nothing. <laughs> it says there's still more ambiguous than the book. There's a scene in let the right one in where Oscar is spying on Eli in the shower while she is rinsing off a large quantity of blood and notices what as to the audience, not biologically female genitalia. Interesting. Um, it, the novel says, among the details revealed is that Ellie is a boy named Elias who was castrated when he was turned into a vampire over 200 years ago. Oh, he dresses snap. in female clothing as, and is perceived by outsiders as a young girl. So that's in, that's in the novel. That wasn't clear to me in this. There was, however, echoes of... Like I wondered, part of this sort of backstory that I thought was echoed to was that, that there was sort of a um, sort of sexual horrors, like maybe sexual abuse or, you know, a time spent in like child prostitution mm -hmm. or something. And there's certainly a world weariness to Ellie that um you know that that there's not a 12 year old innocence to mm -hmm. ellie but but it's also very kind of other 
and very strange and different, but there were sort of echoes. That's really interesting that that is made more explicit in the book, uh, because I, if that was supposed to be explicit in the film, I missed that. That was so mm -hmm. quick. Yeah. And I always took shock, it as it I just looked like there was a scar or something there. Um, but maybe I should freeze frame it. Cause I, cause I always took it as she'd been castrated. Well, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to freeze frame a film. If that's an important thing, like they maybe did that too quickly. Yeah. Uh, I also, I'm not sure. What does that do? What does that do to the movie? Like, because Oscar because... doesn't seem to care, right? No. Oscar, Oscar's become attached to Ellie emotionally, whatever, mm -hmm. right? I mean, his his attraction to, I mean, I guess, I don't, do we call Ellie her? Him, I don't, I get. I, I mean, she's pronouns. presented as her in the, but in the film, but it it seems to be more than sexual. He's a he's attached to Ellie at a at a very deep personal level, right? And there's even a scene where the, he's like, "I don't care. It doesn't matter what we do. Um, I just you know." Or or Ellie says, "Would you like me, even if I wasn't a girl, or something like that?" And he says, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all I think handled that's another, very. Yeah, it's all I think handled that's very lightly. I think that's another aspect of it that he, you know, she's saying that she was male at one time, and not yeah. just that, you know, she's a monster. Or yeah, he does. She also says at one point that they can't be friends either. Um, you know, so uh, I guess you know, just trying to protect him. But and and also you have the aspect of that he's twelve, so it's like, is he? you know is it a sexual thing at this point even you know um so it's I'm, weird because my kids are just going through puberty now too and that those first stages where the biological imperative of you know people's sexual um selves you know the 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 viability of their sexuality just coming online in a purely physical way as the you know dna dictates the like mm -hmm. you know the cells are unwinding and it's like <laughs> this is what happens to a human being at this time definitely is it's happening before the kind of um mental comprehension comes with sure. it i mean it's a it, it makes me think of some of these like werewolf films and stuff where you're you're looking down and you're watching your body changing these crazy like, what's happening to me you know mm -hmm. um so that didn't phase me so much either because i think this this is the time when nobody and even if you have parents that explain to you that it's all perfectly normal and this is what's going to happen it's got to feel like you're looking at yourself transforming into something else and if yeah. you're female and you're menstruating you're just like oh god what's happening <laughs> this is that's terrible. great that you bring that up have you ever seen the movie ginger snaps mm -mm. so it is a canadian we should watch that sometime it's i think you would enjoy it it's canadian like kind of low budget it's like early 2000s like right around two, 2000 
and um it's about it's two sisters and one of the sisters is bitten and becomes a werewolf oh. and and it's but they're teenagers you know they're like 15 or 16 or something like that so it's also you know about menstruation a, com- a coming well. of age story right? yeah, yeah yeah we should watch that sometime it's i okay. think you would enjoy it it's a it's a neat movie um so i wanted to talk about kind of the climax the swimming pool yes. scene in the end yes uh which is just is just it's great because it's you know there's this real so in this scene the bullies are pushing his head under the water in this in the swimming pool well and pause pause because i okay. want to unpack the bullies right there are three peers of his one is a kid that is the ringleader there is a bully and then there are two toadies and there's a tall skinny toady and there's a sort of a short chubby toady and they do what the ringleader tells them to do but you get the sense that their heart isn't in it and their heart isn't in it in specific and different ways. Um, but we don't get too much into that. They're toadies for whatever reason, they're toadies. Um, they don't enjoy the cruelty the way that the bully Ringling. does. He's yeah. the uh, Oscar stands up to the bully at one point by hitting him with a stick as he's threatening. And Oscar fantasizes throughout the film about of killing him. revenge on these. Yeah. yeah. And he's got a knife and he, you know, he reenacts little scenes and, but he has the knife, you know, with him and yeah. And he whacks this kid with a big pole and makes his ear bleed. And, yeah. You know, and, and it turns out that this bully kid has a big brother. Mm-hmm who is, you know, if they're 12, he's maybe 18, 20. Right. But a totally different animal, basically an adult. Like he's mm-hmm. twice the size of these kids. And Oscar's just maybe 80 pounds soaking right. wet. Like he's mm-hmm. just a little skinny kid. Yeah. Um, and when we first meet the bully's big brother, we realize, oh, <laughs> like that's the psychopath. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the father is probably the, the Russian doll one step, Yeah, yeah. you know, like this abuse rolls downhill. So wh- yeah. wherever the older brother is getting it, he uh, inflicts it upon the younger brother who then inflicts it upon Oscar mm-hmm. and to a lesser degree, these toadies. But uh, yeah, it comes to this head. So after he, after Oscar hits him and injures him, the brother gets involved and he they sort of lure using one of the toadies they lure him to the pool and then they start a fire outside to pull everyone out of the pool and then they come in and that is a really challenging scene to watch for me because he coaxes he gives the guy a choice right he gives oscar a choice he says if you could stay underwater for three minutes um I'll let you go, but otherwise I'm going to take this knife. I'm going to poke one of your eyes out, mm-hmm. right? It's horrifying. And then he beckons to Oscar so to come closer so that he's standing outside the pool. Oscar's in the pool so that he can hold his hair and hold his head underwater. He's going to drown him. Mm-hmm. And you realize, you as you realize, you're like, the, guy's a, the guy is a psychopath. Like he is, he would totally let this kid drown and then, bully the other kids into not squealing on him and he would make it look like oscar drowned underwater for some reason wouldn't look like a murder 
Mm-mm. Like, oh man, this is horrible. And what's really interesting to me in this scene is how Oscar sort of is thinking about it, but then sort of accepts it. Like mm-hmm. Oscar goes to him and while he's underwater, there's a sort of a resignation on his face that I found challenging to interpret. Like, did he yeah. think if this is just how I go out, this is how I go out. Like this is an enemy too great for me to overcome. Or is he saying, is he thinking, you know, if Ellie is going to save me, then Ellie is going to save me. Like that's sort of the pact we have. Although it's not discussed. Right. It's open to interpretation. But then mm-hmm. as we're with Oscar underwater, and we see the hand. Yeah, so the shot the is underwater brother. with him. And his hair, right? The the older mm-hmm. boy's hand gripping a fistful of his hair, holding him underwater. Um, and then we see a number of things unfold. In the background, we see a head float, you know, fall that float down behind him. And we see what the bullies, the the older brother, what is it? His arm comes off. There's a set of legs that sort of, you know, go streaming through the water back to the far corner in an impossible way. And then up out of the water and then a severed head plops in the water and sinks to the bottom. And then it's so great. The arm floats down severed. Right. And it's not like this is like a a Friday the 13th kind of a thing where it's just like, here comes a creature that just bites them apart or whacks them or whatever. It's just, you know, it's kind of beautiful in a way where you're underwater and you just see these things like floating down, you know, horrible things in a kind of yeah. water ballet. Right. Yeah. And so then, and then the hand so well, the hand that of course is Ellie's reaches down and pulls him up out of yeah. the water. And then you see the bodies of these kids. And then it's all a wide shot pool. from yes. And they are mutilated. All of them, including the toadies whom mm-hmm did participate but who we know wouldn't have done these wouldn't have done these things if not for a malicious you know instigator so then you don't really deserve to be killed you know well then you've got that question then you're like did they deserve this well yeah you know just following orders does that let you off the hook or were you a part of it yeah and 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 it doesn't answer that question. It's like, well, they got killed for it. So I mean, I guess in that sense, they let the wrong one in, <laughs> right? I mean, so but it but it doesn't but, it doesn't get preachy. It doesn't spoon feed you any meaning one way or the other. It's just kind of like I think as the as the viewer, you're supposed to feel satisfaction here that it's like, oh, okay, you know these. Do you think? These, are you? I think you're supposed you, to be thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um, that shot of their ruined bodies, uh, because Oscar certainly sort of curls up in a ball. Right. And mm -hmm. is sort of shuddering and sobbing. I mean, I think it's horrifying. And I think you do wonder. I, I did. I was sort of left wondering, like. I'm not. It's not like Rambo or I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> like, yeah, on the one hand, those it's kids, kind of like you could have rescued those kids yeah. somehow if you'd have intervened, but uh, it, that's not it now. Wasn't, 
<laughs> it wasn't necessarily a, an equal level of retaliation, you know? Um, but the, you have the scene now, maybe, you know, he wouldn't have wanted to kill these kids, but when he hits the, the boy with the big pole, he smiles afterwards. Yes. Uh, Oscar does. So he's, you know, he feels satisfaction for what he's he done stood up for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, oh. there isn't intent. I think the boy loses hearing in that ear, mm-hmm. but the, the nature of the whack isn't, you couldn't know that, you know, it is mm-hmm. not like one of those Steven Seagal movies where you go and you drive the nose bone up into the brain and kill a guy that way. It's not, yeah. this is like, this is the first time this kid has ever done in his own self-defense. He has a big orange stick and the kid's imminently going to push him in the frozen lake. Yeah. And he raises the stick and whacks the kid upside the head. And he happens to hit him in such a way that his ear bleeds and he must have ruptured something internally and the kid loses hearing of that ear. So I don't know that the intention was now you're deaf in that ear. It's more like, stop it. Yeah. You know, and I think but I think that to me, the smile was, oh, it feels good to stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. And the implications of why I may have permanently, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if this is a PC term or not, but I may, it may have permanently Rained. crippled this guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they don't even know yet that he doesn't know what he's actually done. No. It feels good to have stood up for himself. But then at the end, when his friend comes and defends him by ripping people's limbs off <laughs> yeah. and heads off, I think he thinks <coughs> that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Whereas a vampire might say, "Life is brutish and short." You know, yeah. they they would kill me if they caught me. You know, you do what you have to do. Yeah, it's we're all animals. This whole moral thing is just um, what we lay on top. I love she. She's got all this money, all these things. She's like, "You need money? I have money. I'll give you money." <laughs> you know, it's just nothing to her. It's just stuff. You know. Now, that's one thing I uh, I saw a Twitter um, thread the other day that was um, if uh, if you you met a vampire and they said they could turn you into a vampire, what questions would you ask? And the thing that I always think, I mean, this is kind of a depressing way to look at it, but I said, um, how do I make a living? Because if I'm going to have to make a, you know, if I'm going to live five, you know, because it's like, uh, to make a living for 30 or 40 years is enough. But like, if you have to try to figure out a way to make a living for hundreds of years and you, you're going to have to reinvent yourself like all the time, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be a computer programmer for 500 years or whatever, you know, maybe you just the night shift. Just um, Connor, Connor McLeod it, become an antique yeah, exactly. dealer. Become a, yeah, become an antiques, antiques dealer is, is always the good answer, you know. But, um, but yeah, I, I always think of that as just like, Oh, you gotta, you're gonna have to make it that would, that to me is like the most depressing aspect of it. It's like, Oh, if I got to try to figure out how to make money for (laughs) hundreds of years. Now, if you're just gonna, I, and I suppose, which, you know, has probably happened there, I guess if you're going to go out and kill people, you can, you can steal too, you know, not, not worry about a job, but she's got a um, bunch of knickknacks and odds and ends. Uh, all in her table there and one is just sort of a string that's got a bunch of 
rings on it, like different mm-hmm. size rings. And he's like, oh, did you steal these from people you killed? And Ellie doesn't answer, but like, duh. Like, yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I got a apartment isn't free and stuff. I killed, <laughs> I killed him anyway. I didn't, and I'm not going to be able to work at, you know, is the 12 year old going to go out and get a job? I, I didn't the... kill him for the ring. I killed him for his blood. But having yeah. killed him, like, ah, there's a ring. Might as well take it. It's, yeah. You know, so in 2010, there was an American remake of this called Let Me In um really yeah and why they why they didn't call it let the right one in i don't know but it was directed by matt reeves who's the the director of the batman huh is it good did you see it i've not seen it um i've heard that it's pretty good you know people say oh it's not as good as the original um how how could it how could it be as good as this but that guy's a good director too so yeah i've always i've always wanted to watch it but i my understanding is it you know it's it's very very close to to the original but um, set in america like set set in america, america yeah um but it's still in the snow oh um, yeah it would have to be i want to before so it we... is oh i was just gonna say chloe chloe grace moretz is the girl in the remake who's that i don't know who that is um did you ever see kick-ass Yep. She's a little girl from Kick-Ass. Okay. One of the things I really liked about this is I didn't recognize anybody. And I loved mm-hmm. that about this. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't dislike that actress, but I would recognize her. Mm-hmm. And I think that that might, I don't know. I don't know. You know, make a movie, make a good movie. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll watch it. Some I've always, I've always meant to watch it. I'll watch it sometime. Yeah. I would um, be quite, I'm kind of curious, but this is so good that I almost don't. So I just want to talk a little bit. About, so she, at one point she, there's, there's a sort of group of people that are friends that live in this housing apartment block. And one of them is a woman of, I don't know, a certain age, 50, would you say she is or yeah, something five. Like and they're all, you know, older, they're our age, I guess, a little bit. They look a little worse for wear than us, maybe, but maybe I'm kidding myself. <laughs> no. Um, and, and so at one point, oh, there's a great scene where it's like, I don't know how to describe this housing block. Uh, there's a, like an entryway where you, it's, imagine the whole thing is like a big square and there's a sort of a public garden in the middle of this big housing unit. And so to get in, you go up some stairs and then there you go kind of through an archway, a square archway of the building and, the, and into another open space with more trees and stuff in there. And mm-hmm. um, the woman and her boyfriend, I guess, they're kind of coming home and they're having an argument and he's drunk and she's probably a little drunk too. And but she's sick of him. And so she, he's behind her saying, wait, you know, come back. And she goes staggering up there. And when she walks under the thing as soon as she clears he's watching her where his point of view as soon as she clears the inside and and she's under open sky again ellie comes dropping down like a i don't know i thought of like a cat coming down like dropping out of a tree onto a squirrel or something 
you know, on onto the woman's back and bites her neck, of course. And the guy is seeing this and it's horrifying. He goes running up and he he's a big guy and he kicks Ellie, who is this little 12 year old slip of a thing. It kicks kicks Ellie hard enough to send her flying off of the woman's throat. And so the woman survives, but starts to turn into a vampire. And mm-hmm. I thought that those scenes were so interesting because yeah. she doesn't want to. It's a nightmare for her. And uh, there is there's a couple of great scenes involved in this. One is when a little bit of light falls. She sort of feels miserable. And in the morning, a little bit of light is falling through the window and it's falling on her finger and it starts to sear mm-hmm. her finger. And she's terrified and confused. She goes over to the guy who witnesses the earlier attack is this guy who lives with like 30 cats. Mm-hmm. And she goes over to uh, his apartment where the other, her boyfriend is hanging out. Cats hate vampires in this movie. And mm-hmm. it's a great thing we've established. And the cats attack her and sink their fangs into her thigh and everything. And see, she goes staggering out into the apartment, falls down the stairs covered in cats that are basically trying to kill her and i thought i've never seen anything like that in a movie (laughs) that is so great like that's Uh so out there crazy um i love that so she's in the hospital and they have her strapped down and it's sort of funny to me that they haven't done blood tests or something to sort of determine that she's not human anymore or whatever but you know maybe i'm thinking about it too much but anyway she says to the the boyfriend um i think that girl infected me with something when she bit me i I don't want to live and he says something like you know you know you'll feel better tomorrow whatever and he leaves and the orderly comes in in the morning and she sort of slowly turns to him and said, will you open the shades? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, sure. And he pulls open the shades of the big window and the sunlight comes streaming in. She bursts into flames. Like she screams and then there's this kind of fireball and I can't describe it accurately, but the way they do it, it's like watching a kerosene soaked rag go up. It's just... Mm-hmm it's instant it's not there's not a kind of ignition it's just you know and the guy staggers back and it's this great vampire moment of the sunshine but it's done every vampire thing is done in a way that feels really fresh and original Mm -hmm. to me because i think the danger of a vampire movie like a zombie movie or any of these tropes is that we've seen this Mm -hmm. you know you're like okay it's a vampire so haven't i watched this already and this really ma- manages to make the idea of a vampire story seem original in a lot yeah. of ways. And those are, those are just a few examples. Um, I want, I don't want to make this movie sound like it's chock full of that. It's mostly this drama about the relationship between uh, Oscar and Ellie, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's definitely a vampire movie and it oh, for sure. pro- it proves it with a solid handful of scenes that are like <laughs> that's maybe that's certainly a contender for one of my favorite vampire things that I've seen in movies you know oh yeah 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 for sure 
and this is very much a um i don't know if if a24 existed at the time that this movie came out but a24 is a like they tend to be like art house horror basically yeah so it's stuff like hereditary and midsummer yeah and the lighthouse and um the witch yeah um you know so this is along the lines of those films so oh uh, on that topic have you seen maybe you sent it to me the trailer for a new horror movie coming out that it's like set in the 70s and it's a a, a group of people in the van and they're gonna go make a porno movie yeah it's called did X. you did you send me that i th- i probably did yeah i think so that um, looks great yeah that looks like and, that's gonna be great and it's playing here if you can imagine and really I think it's an a i think it's an a24 yeah yeah and that's why um, i mentioned it yeah because i was in the i happened i happened to be in the mall a couple of weeks ago and i was like wow that's showing here i thought that's gonna be a really limited release but no it's it's playing here so that director another one we could watch sometime if you like to so that director d- director's name is ty west and he directed a movie uh called house of the devil mm-hmm. which isn't takes place in the 80s and it's intended to be very 80s um and it's just about this girl who's a, a babysitter and it's a very slow burn, but that's a movie that I think you would enjoy. I think huh, we should put okay. that one on the list. It's, it's called The House you know, of the Devil. Uh, with um, with horror, I have to kind of pace myself because I'm not the enthusiast yeah. that you are, but I do appreciate, you know. And this is definitely not like a full of jump scares and, you know, yeah, just a bunch of gore and stuff like that yeah. it, it, along the same lines of um, it's more, I would say, indie horror, not really art house horror, but but for people who haven't seen let the right one in but they're into these other things like hereditary and midsummer and, and the witch it's it's in that kind of vein uh let the right one in i mean in that um it definitely has those horror elements but it's kind of more of a drama than anything and in a, a love story cool so so would you recommend this one yes i i absolutely would uh i think the um for it being a vampire movie, you know, I would say the the, the thing, the only um, note I would tack onto it is that the pacing of it is relatively, um, when I say it feels like a kind of a coming of age romance between two 12 year olds, that's almost just a pacing note for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it unfolds slowly. And a lot of this stuff that I thought what I raved about being like some of the most interesting and fresh vampire stuff I've seen happens in act three of this. Once Oscar sort of realizes what we know um, relatively early. And that's not to say that it's, you know, boring for the first two thirds and then exciting, but I do recommend it. I think it's an oddball vampire movie right i mean i think if you're like oh i'm in the mood for a vampire movie it's like this is great and you're gonna love this but it almost feels like um and i don't have director's names to throw around but it's not really um wes anderson per se but there's a sort of a nostalgia there's a genre of kind of nostalgia like well when we were 12 and when we had our first kiss and fell in love for the first time movie 
that it feels like it's that mm-hmm. with this little twist and the twist gets more and more uh, front and center as the thing goes along. There's always a dark undertone. I mean, we know what it is and people are being killed throughout, but that feels more like a, like, meanwhile, in this small town, while I was falling in love for the first time, you know, there was a killer loose. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's sort of a metaphor for like the fear of all these new feelings. So I would just say, you know, if you're into the genre and you're into like really good movies and you don't mind subtitles, this is a great movie. This is great. I think it's got seven something or eight on IMDb. And I'm like, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And it's just not a buckle your seatbelts ride if you it's not blade (laughs) right if you like that it's not an action horror no yeah action vampire movie no um and there's not you know there's there's definitely some of the um there's definitely some of the the typical vampire tropes with you know let me in he has to invite her in there's yeah you know you can't go in the sun but it's not like people with crucifixes and uh you know, a stake that they're going to put through their heart and, and all that kind of stuff. And know, there's so. cool, there's little cool moments where Oscar is sort of like offers Ellie some candy. Right. And Ellie initially is like, no, and Oscar is hurt. So Ellie says, okay, I'll try some. Right. And you know, this cannot be the first time that Ellie has tried to, but for Oscar, you know, yeah. puts it in her mouth and then we cut to her like vomiting her guts up, you yeah. know, and Oscar sees like, oh, L.A. can't mm-hmm. eat regular food, um, but did it for me. And there's another scene where Ellie says, you have to invite me in. And Oscar's just kind of like, why? Just what is it? A barrier that you hit? Yeah, just come in. Yeah. So, you know, and Ellie with this very ancient you know weary look is sort of like okay and walks in and starts spontaneously blood starts seeping out of all of her pores and eyes and you know and it just starts hemorrhaging from everywhere but it's not it's gradual but it's rapid until oscar's like no you can come in you can come in (laughs) i mean it's just it's really it's really well done Oh yeah, for sure. Now the the author wrote a. I don't know if it's exactly a sequel, but I was just looking here while we were talking. Um, he wrote a collection of short stories after the original book called "Let the Old Dreams Die," which I guess is uh, maybe covers you know what happens to them later. But you know, this is one of these films where it's just great as a standalone movie. We don't ever need a sequel to this to see the grown up Oscar, you know, but you know, uh, if, if there was a, if somebody, if the author if it was wrote done a, well, I, I if the author wrote a sequel it. and it was great. I would love that one too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wary of sequels because I feel like in, in Hollywood, we're so used to it being a, a money driven endeavor. Somebody's, passion project that is amazing for all the reasons they wanted it to be amazing catches captures our imagination the studio's smelling gold you know sign a three movie deal and then yeah. 
this person has to go and try and manufacture two sequels um, to meet the contract. And guess what? It feels like our dreams have been sold. I mean, that's not to say every sequel is terrible, but I think it's, sure. we're used to the disappointment of that. Oh, yeah. Hi, why do we need Now, if they that? ever, you know, this wouldn't be bad if they did a, a new like uh did this as a a series length adaptation you know like six or eight episodes or something like that could be cool um, but you couldn't you know, use they, the they same actor no right? no couldn't use because the same actors you know it would be different people at least you know, perpetually but, 12 <laughs> yeah yeah it would have to be uh and then you know we talk about this a lot on the show you know these aren't small small children but i don't know if their ages if they were actually 12 when they made this but um it was plausible in the movie though yeah but you're getting really good performances from kids here oh yeah you know yeah um and uh i mean i remember stand by me those kids were playing 12 and they were 20 (laughs) you know playing 12 and i thought that was convincing yeah like they look 12 to me but yeah i don't know how old these kids were in this but um so yeah yeah it's I mean, I would highly recommend this too. It's it's great for horror fans and non-horror fans alike. Um, if you just want to see an interesting um, kind of spin on, and you know, that's the thing that's cool. It's with some of these different genres, you know, like I've said a lot of times on the show that I wouldn't care if I never see another zombie movie. And, um, you know, vampires, vampire stories are fine. But you don't want to see the same thing over and over again. But it's but I do think it's cool <coughs> with some of these genres um, that somebody every once in a while somebody will come up with a really fresh idea. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. we've literally at that this point had hundreds of years of vampire stories, and you know, if you want to go back to um, Bram Stoker's Dracula being kind kind of the first sort of modern but that's you know what 150 years old or whatever it is yeah um so i i think it's neat that there are still fresh things that that people can do with something as simple and as tired in a lot of ways as a vampire story yeah i agree so. uh chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com that's our handle we are on the socials uh like and subscribe if you're watching us on youtube please uh likewise if you are listening to us on the podcast all that stuff is great to see and thank you so much for joining us what do you want to do for next week chris um i had brought up uh so we had this sad news about bruce willis that he has this um did you see the news about this no oh so bruce willis has announced that he's retiring because he has a uh, and I forget what I hadn't heard of the disease before, but he has some kind of a neurological disease oh, that man. that robs you of of speech. Um, and uh, I guess basically people can't talk. They get to a point where they can't talk. They can't understand speech. They can't understand writing. Oh, my God. Um, so, I mean, just think of how and they and, you know, he's been kind of cranking out these um low budget kind of direct to, to video kind of films. And, I, and it, I, there's been some talk that um, he just did that because they were films that he could go in and just work for a day or two, 
but still get a pretty big payday from them. And, you know, just to kind of set his, I'm sure he has plenty of money anyway, but just to make more money kind of to set up his family. So, you know, he's not all that old. I mean, he's in his sixties. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, seemingly like a fit, physically fit guy. So that's sad. Um, but anyway, that got me to thinking about um, Bruce Willis movies. And I thought of Death Becomes Her. Have you ever seen that? I feel like I did way back when. Is that a comedy? It's a comedy. Yeah. It's another Robert Zemeckis one. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that one. Is it is okay. Meryl Streep in that? Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. So it's Bruce Willis, Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn. Okay. So for next week, we are doing Death Becomes Her. I Bruce believe Willis, it's on HBO Max, I think. Bruce Willis, Meryl Streep, and Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Yes. And one thing I want to ask you real quick before we finish. Um, have you watched Moon Knight yet? No. Oh, the Moon Knight show? Is it I don't out? either. Yeah, it hit yesterday. And I think it's... I don't know if they just dropped the first episode or they dropped the first two. Uh, I want to say they dropped the first two, but um, I guess I didn't even realize it's a series. I thought it was a movie. It's a series. Yeah, it's a series. Limited series. I don't know how many episodes, but I still haven't seen the Batman yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one you can watch at home. So because it's Disney Plus. Okay. Um, Check it out. I like Oscar Isaacs. And it is the first. the first Marvel thing that they've done um, as far as a show that isn't pre-existing characters, you know, they'd al- that they'd already used in one of the movies. So right. this is the first thing that this is a totally, I mean, it's a character that's existed in the comics for a long time. Right. But this is their first time doing a completely new character, completely new storyline that isn't based on other movies so is it set in the marvel universe like yeah, is it in the, in the world with the avengers and everything else yeah hmm. um i mean in the comics it is and presumably if they stick to that it you know it will be in the show um because there's i remember i think probably the first i can remember buying a moon knight comic when i was a kid when it was it was moon knight and spider-man in the comic together so um, but I'm pretty excited about it because it's a character that I always liked. All right. Well, maybe so. we can check that out and chat about that after we talk about Death Becomes Her. Yeah, that would be nice. Death would the nice. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us. And unless you have anything else to add, Mr. Huddleston. I do not. Chris and I will talk to you next week.